Hello, and welcome to the first of what I hope is many episodes of the Unearthed podcast, where the aim is to share more stories we can humanise to. I'm your host, Nathan Apemelu, and on our first episode, I've brought on Lewa Thomas to discuss 2020, a year of heightened racial tension. Black Lives Matter, Beyonce, a Christian response to racial injustice and how all these things have affected Lewa as she runs her bakery, a Cara bakery here in Glasgow. Without further ado, the interview. And we're live. Hello, hello. Welcome to the newly formed As Yet Untitled podcast, where I, your host, Nathan Epimoli, will be telling and listening to different stories in the hope that we can all start to see each other as more the same in God's eyes than different in our own. This week's guest is Lewa Thomas, an old family friend of mine and proud owner of a Cara Bakery here in Glasgow. Lewa, hello, hello. Thanks for coming on the show. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Good. I'm not too bad. It's kind of... I mean, it's it's overcast in Glasgow, but I mean, that's Glasgow. So I, I can't really complain. It's doing what it should do. That's what I'm used to. Anyway, to start, like, why don't we tell everyone, how is it we know each other? Because I feel like it's a sort of like long history as yet undefined. Yeah, it was, I would say it was initially through um, ACCF, is it? Yeah. African ACCF. Caribbean Christian Fellowship yep. in the Kamalafes House. Yes, and the yeah, the Victory Family Fellowship that came out of that, yeah. And it's, it's odd, because I kind of, obviously I, I'm a few years younger than you, but at that time it's just like you don't remember anything. So I'm kind of like, remember being there. I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> the past. This was in the 90s. <laughs> like legit, so I was probably like nine. Oh my gosh. Or yeah. eight. Yeah, It was for you though. So. Yeah, because even when I started going, like when my dad started bringing us, I mean, I must have been like eight or nine as well. It really wasn't. Maybe, maybe oh gosh not. how old are you now again 22 who knows oh that means i would have been 16 oh gosh yeah quite possibly here look i don't know like there maybe will be ah! some aunt- there maybe will be an auntie that listens to this and it's like i remember you from when you were like six and i'm like yeah. i don't even remember that time so <laughs> you know <laughs> just tell me what i was like but anyway moving on i want you to tell me about your bakery where is it? Where can the lovely people find it? And um, what made you want to start it? And, you know, what are your goals of it? How did this all happen? Well, um, oh, first the bakery is in Deniston in Glasgow. It's on 537 Duke Street. Um, I opened it on officially on the 6th of December, 2019. So it's super young. It's just coming up to a year Oop. in a month, in a bit. And uh, what made me want to start it? It was when I was actually, it wasn't something that I necessarily wanted to do. I'd never had an interest in baking, mm-hmm. but I was at uni doing psychology and my little sister used to make one kind of cake and we used to harass her to make it all the time. And then for Christmas, we got her all this baking gear, mm-hmm. like mixing bowls and a recipe book. And we thought that she was into it, yeah. but she was miserable when she got her gift. We're like, we thought oh. you liked it. She's like, no, you guys forced me to make it. Like I wanted Nike. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? So um, I was like, that, that baking book wasn't wasn't cheap. So I just started using it mm-hmm. and baking from it just to see what it was like. And then it kind of became fun, I guess. And I was like, this is so easy. Not, I mean, easy is a strong statement. <laughs> That's what you say when you're at the beginning of something and you're clueless, because it's just, you're baking for fun. All, all the folk no... like, attempts in the Great British Bake Off are just like, how dare she say this is easy? This is not easy. It's not easy. But, you know, when you're baking a cake from a recipe in your house all the time in the world and mm. no demand, then, yeah, it's it's a great time. And then I just started thinking, OK, let me make more. Let me make more. It was a nice crafty thing for me to do because I like making things anyway, mm. like clothes and I don't know, art, things like that. So yeah. um, then I think after I graduated from university, I thought, am I going to do a master's? But then I was like, ah, I don't love psychology enough to pay for it. So. Yeah. I slowly thought maybe this is economical. This makes sense. And I could probably make money from this. So as usual, you know, the classic story started at friends and family. And then it kind of, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. And then they would like, you know, pay you for ingredients. And then some of them would just want it for free. And you'd be like, mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then I started writing price lists and then posting pictures on Facebook and then making a cake page. And then 
it just kind of went from there. And then years later, I was like, oh, Joel, let me just get a shop because I'm bored of I'm <laughs> bored of baking from home. Mm. So it took me ages. I can't lie. I was really scared because um, people always tell you 50% of all businesses fail in the first year. I was just yeah, like, yeah, ah. I heard that one. Like, that's all you ever hear is about failure. So I was just like, mm, do I really want to make it, take any risks? So, but then eventually I got more frustrated than my fear. Yeah, so, you just had to do it. Yeah, the frustration was too much. So I forgot about fear and then just kind of went for it. That's really exciting. What, what would you say, like, your goals going forward with it? Do you, do you make goals? Like, do you do, like, you know, your three month, your six month plan? Or are you just like, look, I'm out here just making cakes as long as I can make them? Well, it's, my, I mean, I'm the goal right now, the short term goal is to have a second place. Mm-hmm. But in order to have a second place in the next year or so, there's a lot I need to do. Mm. So it means that I need to get the business to a place where I'm not there. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like I need to be there less in order to make better goals. But yeah, right okay. now I'm working in the shop. So it's difficult to put those goals into practice. But at the same time, it's important. I'm just trying to make sure that my staff are up to scratch, that I'm hiring the right people, that they're trained well enough and that the systems are strong enough so that I don't have to be there. Because mm. if I can't leave, it means my systems aren't good. So that's what, that's really, I see that's the goal is to have the system so good that I don't have to be there. Nice. That's really exciting. Oh, I love going there. So I always, hey. even, even when I popped in just like, when was I last there? Like, honestly, today is, yeah, for folk okay. who, are hearing this they'll hear this maybe a couple days couple weeks whenever but it's the 26th of october now and it's monday and i what was there on saturday yeah Yeah. it's only two days ago and because you weren't originally there when i arrived you only appeared a little bit later i think i didn't see you at first i'm like oh yeah i was not here it's all still happening it was packed when i got there it's the coffee festival as well so i was like "Mm, girls doing it right that was exciting so that yeah that's really cool Where, where are you thinking you'd want a second shop that much, I'm not sure if I'm... Part of me would like to do another one in the East End, okay. but I won't limit myself until I've maybe done a bit more research to see what area could be best. Right. Love it. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, as, as for the, I guess, the main meat of this podcast episode, so I came in, for context, I came into your shop maybe, what, three weeks ago at this point now? Yeah. And it, so it's October, Black History Month for, you know, we're all in it. I think especially after the, the, the year's events, shall we say, um, mm-hmm. there's a certain, I don't, I don't know if I'd say heightened tension, no, awareness. Like I just, I feel like it's, it's on everyone's mind to think about it or on the opposite end, they don't want anything to do with it. They dislike yeah. it. It's just a whole, it's just, it's a whole thing that just seems to take over with not much sort of direction to it sometimes. So yeah, so it, it changed a lot. And I remember um, popping in, it's just kind of like, you know, we were the only two black people in your shop, let's be real. And like, I was just kind of like, so has, has anything changed for you? Do you like, you know, do anything with it as a business? And you were like, nah, like I just, I'm just out here making cakes. Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, wait, where, where should I start? Am I starting with BLM or Black History Month? <laughs> your pick, we're covering them both. So your choice. Okay, well, I'll try and make it as painless as possible. <laughs> so, <laughs> so funny when it comes to BLM. Um, I remember when that when that started. Uh, well, not not the initial one three years ago, but I mean this year's kind so of. Are we talking the movement, the uptake of the movement, more so than the organisation here, or a bit of both? George, the George Floyd yeah, incident. So that, more, yeah, more more movement and then organisation. Yeah. Yeah, the movement. Well, the organ. Anyway, so with the, <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> so with the movement, um, I remember when it was happening, well, of course, it wasn't that long ago. It just seemed like everyone, the truth is, in my opinion, this, uh, the problem people are protesting was not new, mm-hmm. but some, there's a lot of misinformation on some of the cases, not yeah. saying there's not an, an issue in America with racism or all over the world with racism. That's the truth. Yeah. This is why I've noticed that there's no city that's void of racist people. There's no, no town, no there's means. no country, there's no race. I've actually personally noticed the ethnic minorities, and I say that because we're in Britain, which mm-hmm. is a white country. Yeah. Ultimately, um, ethnic minorities are probably more vocally racist in my experience mm-hmm. than white people. But with the movement, I noticed a lot of people were hashtagging 
BLM, Black-owned businesses and things like this, I personally did not like it at all because I felt like it was patronising. I know that, but I wasn't angry at the individuals doing it because I understand, look, it's lockdown. Everyone's bored. Everyone's hooked up to social media like a drip. Mm-hmm. And so everyone catches the same, any news cycle, everyone catches it like a bug. Yeah. And everyone feels so hypersensitive to everything. And don't get me wrong, it's good to protest. I think it's good to protest things that are not right, but I think there's a more effective way to protest. But that aside, uh, as a business, I just feel like, you know, I didn't work hard on being black, personally. It it was kind of my parents just made it that way. Um, Mm -hmm. But I worked hard on my business. So if people are hailing my business because I'm black, it makes, it takes away from the actual effort. I feel Mm -hmm. like it takes away from the effort that I actually put in. Um, And I don't want to kind of be, I know this sounds bad, but I don't want to be the kind of special token Negro that has a business. you know what I mean? So everyone your feels like, oh my gosh. Business. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's like, oh my gosh, I support her. Yay, she owns a business. Look at her. She's black and she has a business. And I just mm. don't think being black is an achievement. Um, mm. I don't think being black and having a business in Glasgow is an achievement. It's just Glasgow's less metropolitan. Mm-hmm. That's the truth of the matter. It's because it's just not, it's not a bad thing. It's just Glasgow's smaller. It's a small city yeah. in Scotland. Every, whenever, whenever anyone moved anywhere, they're moving to England. Or London, mm-hmm. should I say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Glasgow's now catching the wave of more immigrants than ever before. Because being born here, I remember in the 90s when mm-hmm. your parents would see another black person on the street and be like, ah, where are you from? No, like, be shaking that. each other's hands. And that's changed now. It's like, who are you? You know? So, <laughs> you <live here. laughs> yeah, exactly. When do you come? Sometimes I'm like, I don't know them. When did they arrive? Like, yeah, you know yeah, I mean? Because yeah. <laughs> I've been here for so long. And I remember when there was nearly no black people. Mm-hmm. So it's um i just think as i, I just want to keep my business as my, as a business it's an organism that is not me yeah you know okay. um and I, I like to keep it that way i get people trying to be supportive and kind of the social media has told them that look if you support black businesses you're not racist you're a nice person look help black people out they've been oppressed but i just really don't feel oppressed racism is real i'm not stupid i know it's real but i think focusing on racism never helps racism Mm, okay. personally yeah it's, it's, I guess sometimes so I, I've been trying to think a lot like even, even with this podcast with other things I do sometimes I'm like okay it's, it's Black History Month do we do anything for this and then I always have to say well do, do does, does something need to be done for this because in fairness there's lots of, I think it's I think it can feel very easy to I mean it can feel really easy to kind of go Oh yes, um, it's been quite a tense year in terms of race relations and you know public viewing of that. October's come, right? Mobilize. This is the time. If you if you want if you want to prove it, if you want to say it with your chest, if you want to say it with your actions, get out there, start yeah. you know supporting. And I can see what you mean when, especially when I think of your bakery, because I know how good it is, because I enjoy going there. It's down the road from where I live. I love it. But if you were to pull all the people in there. You'd like to think that they say they come there because they like the food, they like the service, yeah. they like the location, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like all the things that are nothing to do with the fact that you're black and you own it. And I guess with the concept that you're thinking of eventually down the line getting a second shop, of course you won't be in the original one or not at the start. So imagine if people were actually saying, "Oh yeah, I, I go there mainly because like the owner's black and I want to support her." I'm like, <laughs> do you know really? Like, you wouldn't you wouldn't want anyone to do that in any other industry. Exactly. It's insane, isn't it? Imagine going somewhere because somebody's Pakistani or white mm-hmm. or Chinese. It'd be, it's interesting. It there, it would be deemed as such deep racism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but or I get it. Because, river. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I get because the slavery existed, therefore people feel like they still have to pay us back. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do have a slave name, like last name Thomas, but I really wasn't around when it happened. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that makes it right, but Black people aren't the only people to be enslaved. I know it's the latest thing, but I mean, it's the most recent. Um, no, actually, people are still being enslaved now, right? There's, I guess there's apparently yeah, more people... people in modern slavery now than there ever has been in the past. Uh, exactly. 2020. Precisely. So I, I guess I know people don't really care about that because it's not it's not advertised as much on social media. So I just stay away from any social media populist wave that mm-hmm. happens because I mean, why? I can't. Here, I'll be having whiplash all the time. I won't know where to look if I catch on to every wave mm. of um, excitement or a new cause. I think, you know, if you see injustice, speak up or do something. 
-hmm. any injustice, not just racism. So when it comes to Black History Month, though, for me, I think that real equality is not needing to have Black History Month, which I know probably if any Africans are hearing this, they're not going to be amused. They're going to be like, how dare you? But I just think it's true. But I know, like, hate me. They'll be like, boycott her shop. <laughs> <at> boy. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be like, let's not go there. She's black. I'm just mm. Yeah, it'll go um, the other way. Yeah, exactly. It'll be like, she's a seller, Uncle Tom. But um, yeah, I've heard that. And I've been called a coon before. By oh, Mont- which is all always right. cute. I mean, I don't mind. I find it all humorous. But um, with I think that real equality is when you don't need a month. Mm-hmm. It's when you're just getting on with it. I know there's... It's How do I... I know that we have to do our best to combat injustice, period. But it starts with the individual. I agree. Awareness, mm-hmm. it was good that awareness was raised. But I don't believe in focusing on or looking for racism in order to Mm -hmm. create equality I think people need to the individuals just need to kind of somebody was saying there's a glass ceiling and I said well punch it Mm -hmm. or like or (laughs) there's like if you try to break it yeah or there's closed doors I said well build your own door like this is how I see I understand maybe I'm privileged and that's why I'm feeling this Mm -hmm. way but you know we can only do what we can for ourselves and help others around us but you know what do I know I'm just one person <laughs> but it's interesting you say it though because like I know I after I mean let, let's just take a moment here may everything around um that murder was just tumultuous as a general time to be alive but yeah. I remember the amount of friends and it's not and I don't think of that as how, how, how dare my white friends only now turn up and go what's it like and I'm like well let's let's be real like it's not the same um and I'm also quite aware, and I've, I've talked about this with friends before, my experience will probably be different. Certainly nothing like lots of people in the States. Like it's just, it's not the same. And even and even then in the same case, like I'm second generation, I was born here. I grew up here culturally. I see myself as Scottish, British, African, a mix of things. I mean, to the point that like I've spent time, you know, I spent time, you know, studying French as a language and I've lived in China for a year. I take parts of these cultures and these experiences everywhere I go so to sort of I guess boil everything down to oh but it's black culture or it's yeah. African culture or it's Scottish culture I'm like as it's more nuanced than that for lots of people um and I also accept that even even if my accent is sometimes on the later end as far as strong Scottish British but like you know if I, if I leave the country everyone's like oh Scottish accent where you at um so for me like I'm not I'm not coming over here with a thick accent I'm not um you know I grew I grew up generally middle class like you know I'm well educated all the rest of it like it's I have to accept that those those are things that in the way people have viewed minorities here in the past it, I, I don't match that not exactly anyway and yeah. my experiences are different and I always think when especially in Scotland when people say oh like Scotland's not a racist country I'm always like uh I mean ask ask the Polish ask the Indians ask the Pakistanis. <laughs> They've had just, it worse. I just don't think they'll say that. I just, just saying. They, I don't think they'll say that. And obviously, mm. there's plenty wonderful communities here that are actually quite well integrated and multicultural, and they they live and enjoy life that way. But there's also plenty that don't. Um, you know, I I remember growing up. You know, good old let's go to the packy shop on the corner. I'm like, Ugh, and you're just kind of like, people are saying these things. And I don't think, again, maybe you say it's because they're young, but like they have, you know, they have parents, they have education systems. Like it's not, I don't think, I don't think it's a fair excuse to say, oh, well, that's just a word I use because Mm -hmm. you learn all the words you speak as a language, you pick them up from your parents, you pick them up from people around you. So you can pick up words that you'd rather not say, and you can pick up, you can pick up the proper or better versions of those terms. Um, And so I think it's, I think it's important, as you said, there's a definitely definitely a place for fighting racism in all corners all fronts um but i i think i think there can be places for sort of more collective responses but i think it needs to be i like the idea of a collective response that's based on educating people so in their individual lives they make better choices and Mm. like and i guess in some i guess in some ways i was thinking on 
what you said of the of Black History Month and not really it shouldn't be a month and it's something it made me think of the concept of therapy or seeing a therapist like you go and see them for the hope that you get yourself to a place where you don't need to see them anymore and that's yeah. not to that's not to say that you may not later need to go back something else happens or whatever but you know you essentially you opt to go and see a therapist um or even just a, you know a close friend and chat to them you hope you hope to do it so in the sense that problem starts to take itself out of existence yeah. like and i guess and i guess in some ways you have to think more about a subject before you can start thinking less about it like and so sometimes sometimes i do see that like okay this is quite a like a, a heavy year in terms of thinking about race relations um but my hope would be is that as people are <laughs> still don't really know how I feel about this straight up educate yourselves lane. I mean, I, I get it, but I think it's a bit, I know it's a slogan, but as most slogans are, I think it's a bit, I think it's a bit reductive to like, a edu educate yourself on what, doing what, yeah. what method, how, like, and of course there's lots of resources, but I just think kind of shouting, educate yourselves, you know, on a Facebook post, I mean, I get it. There, I can see why it's being done, and I, education is the way to sort this, all of it. But at the same time, I think that needs to be. I think that's when it could. It needs to be guided by a sort of slightly more collective response. Obviously, everyone has to do their own learning, but you know, it's probably quite easy to say, "Oh, I'm going to go edu educate myself." But if, if this, especially if it's a topic that you've not thought much on before, like, okay, where do I start? And then. You know, you Google search something, you get the most popular hot takes on that topic. That might not might not necessarily be all that objective or uh, with the aim for education. Because sometimes people make content and it's it's informative, but really informative of their opinions leaning one way or the other on a particular topic. So it can it can go both ways, I think. But I think in your response when we were chatting in the bakery, which really interested me, was the Christian response. And I, yeah. I, there's, there's a whole range of uh, uh, Christian responses. Well, I say a range of Christian responses, a range of responses I have heard from Christians both here in the States and elsewhere. Um, yeah. Some, some, I don't want to say problematic because they all have, they probably, they all have kernels of truth to them, but the way they're being applied, I would say, could, uh, in my opinion, seem a bit, I think I think they're too overlayered with people's cultural or traditional views on matters like this. Like you, can, it's like easy to say that everyone reads the Bible with their culture and background being brought to the table. So sometimes I think when people have read on what the Bible will say about um, race or you know, I guess crossing crossing the lines, crossing the boundary lines, and reaching out to people that are not necessarily of your demographic or background, et cetera, et cetera. And I certainly think we are called to do that. I just sometimes think people like arm themselves with knowledge from the Bible and then apply it through a filter of, oh, but in this culture, this is what happens here and this is how we've done it. So I'm taking this verse, I'm taking this chapter and I'm kind of shunting it through that filter rather than letting it speak in their lives about how mm -hmm. they go around doing that. But anyways, what you what you'd reminds me of how being a Christian and in times like this and all times, but especially when it comes to racial injustice and seeking that justice, there is a Christian view on that about you know Christ overcoming this and sort of the mindset with that. Just speak a bit more on that. Yeah. Um well I guess like in heaven there's no racism, of course. And mm -hmm. the idea is on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. um, when you think of different races God made us diverse and he likes diversity mm -hmm. so in the church when it comes to racism there's it doesn't, it shouldn't it, of course we know it shouldn't exist what mm -hmm. you'll find is people are people so they're always going to have prejudices mm -hmm. or stereotypes or biases Christian or no Christian but as far as I'm aware, biblically, it, there shouldn't be such segregation. Mm -hmm. If you're a child of God, you're a child of God. Your culture should be heaven. Yeah. And I know we're all working towards that. Mm -hmm. Like, it should be literally about Jesus' culture. What yeah. was the example that Jesus gave? Who was he? 
he even bridged the gap between actually with racism when you look at the Samaritan woman by the well. Yep. And she said, some say that you have to worship on this mountain, some say you have to, and he's like, look, it won't matter where you worship as long as you're worshiping in spirit and in truth. Mm. And it's the same in the church. It shouldn't matter what race you are as long as you're worshiping in spirit and in truth. And the word of God is the word of God. If somebody's hopped up on race, it's funny. Even being Nigerian, I've heard um, parents, or not, no, not my, my parents know, but I've heard aunties and uncles, so, <laughs> meaning everybody's an auntie and an uncle if they're yeah. your mom's age yeah. or older than you by like seven or eight years. And <laughs> they say stuff like, well, where's your husband? I'll be like, nowhere. They'll be like, don't marry Chinese. <laughs> like, oh. no, of course. Like, let's be honest. You hear stuff like this. Yeah, or yeah, no. even within the country itself, It'll mm. be like, I'm Yoruba. Oh, don't marry Igbo. Or yeah, you're yeah, Igbo, yeah. don't marry Yoruba. Or you're something, don't marry Hausa. Like, so what are we talking about when it comes to this? But thankfully, with my parents, somebody said to me, well, what does your mom think if you marry somebody white? Mm-hmm. And my, my thing is, truthfully, if he saved, if he believes in God, my mom doesn't care. Yeah. And that's the truth. That's how it should be. So my thing is, as believers, are they a child of God? Is it really about racism or most of the time is it culturalism? Hmm. This is what I've noticed. So, and even at that, you can like a culture or dislike a culture. Mm-hmm. And that cult, that culture happens to be practiced by a certain race. Doesn't necessarily mean you're racism, racist, it's culturism, if anything. So actually most of the time what you're fighting is culturism. Mm-hmm. When we're in Scotland, you find that there's not, the idea of blackness and black culture doesn't really exist because everyone's African. Hmm. Most people are African and they're from different African countries. Yeah. And if you're East African, your your culture is completely different from West Africans. Yeah. If you're Nigerian, you're different from Guineans. Mm-hmm. And so people don't know how to peg it. So that's why there's not too much of, I don't like black people here because none of us are African-American or mm. very few, should I say. Yeah. So in the kingdom of God, it's just a case of, sorry, you're all made in God's image. You're spirit first. Mm. Why are you hopped up on the flesh? You're a spirit. Your, your soul, you're, you have a spirit, a soul, and a body. Your mm. body just happens to be of a certain race, but we're from heaven. So yeah. if you're focused on race, you've missed the point. The truth is you're probably too flesh and earth-minded, and you're not thinking of heaven's perspective. Mm. So that's really, I mean, when it comes to Christians and the Black Lives Matter thing, they should not be jumping on the narrative of hate mm-hmm. or of rah, 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 let's, kill everybody that's racist or let's point out people that race it should be like look everybody has their flaws i'm not saying racism is a small flaw that you should get over <laughs> i'm not look but look, the truth is if somebody's racist to me i'm like okay that's like great for you i'm just gonna go over here and live my life now like mm-hmm. i'm i can't if you're racist i'm not gonna look to be your friend am i mad no yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't spend time with that. i don't have time for that it's the same way i don't have time for somebody that's very misogynistic or super mm-hmm. sexist or ageist i don't have time I've got things to do. I could, you know, how do I say, I could communicate with them or have some dialogue, but ultimately I'm not going to spend my my days and nights with that person. Mm. So you can only pray for people and keep it moving. So in the in the kingdom of God or in the church, it should be like, do you know what? Injustice is wrong. If you see racism, you speak like, what are you doing? Because mm. in the end of the day, it's the word that matters, not what the media is saying or not what people are saying. Mm-hmm. If people are hurt, of course, you want to, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Yep. So people, they've been hurt by racism. You need to take that to God because vengeance is not in your hands anyway. Yep. It's not the way to and God is a God of justice. He cares about the things that have hurt you. But you need, what one needs to ask for is healing because if you resent a race because of how they've treated you, you yourself have become the thing that you hate. Mm-hmm. So you cannot focus on the type of people that have made you heartbroken or have hurt you. Anything you focus on is what you become because you end up meditating on it. Mm. So I would say instead of meditating on racism, meditate on God's word. We all know racism exists along with a myriad of other sins. But it's really about his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So we need to be champions of that first. Yeah, I guess I think about it and, you know, just hearing you speak on it, it makes you think, you know, Jesus, Jesus embodies the kingdom of God and he's, he's he's shown us what that will look like he's shown us that in himself and it's almost like it almost feels like you you already know what the end goal is so now you know you we we as christians get the wonderful perspective of going okay we we know how this is meant to be so now it's about making earth as it is on heaven Mm -hmm. rather than 
we don't we don't have to construct the ideal world as we go along we've been shown what it looks like in Christ and his life and then it's just kind of okay if that's if that's um what's taken my heart if this is how I've chosen to live my life if this is the truth and I'm living in it then okay cool when I go out and I see this I think I hate, I hate kind of going what would Jesus do like it's still the you know the wristband from the 90s oh yeah like, okay. I mean it was it, it, there were some cool wristbands but I think I think sometimes it, <laughs> it was a bit shallow in what it actually made you think about it yeah but um actually going okay good we've got an actual example we actually have we have heaven to look at we can see it and now it's just you know obviously you know stumbling in our own sin and asking God for grace with that moving forward and saying okay we will get it wrong, but we know what the final product is meant to look like, so we keep striving for that. Um, I guess, I'm trying to think, I don't know if this is the podcast to do this, but I kind of think, like, what's what's the practicalities? Are there practicalities that people can take take away from this as such? Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, it, if someone said, I want, you know, one to three things that I could go away and start doing right now, what would you say? big question do you know what okay i mean i've got mm, a lot of things i think practically Mm -hmm. that have been negative about blm Mm -hmm. about the movement and how divisive i feel like it's been i don't think it's brought people together it's Mm -hmm. just more highlighted you're black i'm white this that i think that's an issue and i actually think that the main issue is that a lot of foreigners when they come here they don't integrate well Mm-hmm. and then now white people are being told that they're all inherently racist yeah, and no matter what they true. do they're racist so if they want to educate themselves there's not enough people that are ethnic minorities that actually integrate with white people well yeah to to actually speak their studies yeah and then if they ask a question it's like you're ignorant they're, <laughs> so then you've got the people of the country being fearful about do you know what somebody asked like or wanted to ask somebody where, where are you from mm-hmm and this person was of African descent, clearly, yeah. of course, Melanin, <laughs> I mean, tells no lies, um, yep. but their accent was not African. Mm-hmm. So I know that that's a triggering point for some people. Yep. Where are you from? And then they'll be like, Glasgow. And then you've got the Scottish person being like, um, okay. <laughs> but what they want to ask is what's your heritage? But the African person they've asked is offended mm-hmm. at what the question could mean. Something yeah. simple like this is a problem. All the chips on our shoulders need to fall off. If you're not ashamed of being or having a certain heritage, if somebody asks you a question, take it for what it is. Don't look at things through the lens of racism because mm. that's all you'll ever see in your life. So I'd say practically, I would say if you've been in this country for more than three years and you don't have any white friends, maybe you should ask yourself why. I think that is strange. Mm. How can you be in a predominantly white country and all your friends look like you? That's really weird. Mm-hmm. I think that if there's more integration, things will be better. But from a Christian perspective, anybody that has been affected by racism or has felt quiet racism or underhanded racism, I would genuinely say, like, God gives wisdom if you ask. And mm. if you're hurt from that, don't let bitterness or unforgiveness get to you because it's just a device of the enemy like anything else and then the day don't look at yourself as one race or another who actually cares see yourself as a child of god and there's favor from the lord regardless of what race you are yeah if you're a believer and you have the holy spirit living inside of you the holy spirit is not going to give you less favor because you're an ethnic minority so why would you believe that that's how your life should be Mm -hmm. if you're if you're an ethnic minority and you feel like there's a glass ceiling that means that you believe that God will allow there to be a glass ceiling because of your race. Mm-hmm. And that's a lie of the enemy and it's not true. So I say to believers, you know, the earth is, manif- is waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. It doesn't say what race they are. Yeah. yeah. So manifest as a, as a child of God and for, like, not forget about this racism as in like pretend it doesn't exist. No, it exists like every other sin, mm-hmm. but keep carrying out the words of God and keep furthering the kingdom. That's what we're here for. Let's not get caught up in trivial matters. I know it doesn't seem trivial because we're on earth, mm-hmm. but the truth is racism is not the only sin. Yep. God is, God hates racism and God hates many other sins. 
Mm-hmm. Let us too treat it like all the other sins and just focus on his glory. I really think that a lot more can be done and God can heal your heart. I keep saying this, but I mean it because some people are so hurt by it. They don't know how to get over it. They don't know how to move, yeah. a- move ahead with it. They then low-key hate white people, which is racism in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And they feel like it's justified. But then now you're falling into the same trap. And, and now your it. life sucks. And it's a cycle. And that mm-hmm. person that was racist to you is skipping off into the distance, guilt-free. <laughs> and you're the one suffering now. So I would say, release that person and release yourself. Forget about your race. Who actually cares? Like, be happy about your culture or whatever your heritage. Mm-hmm. But it's not the only thing about you. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's it's one of those things of you need to take you need to take the most overarching important part of yourself which is your faith in christ and take that wherever you go that's what we're called to do take take everything god has instilled in your heart and go great i'm taking that to the people no matter you know how you know it may well be in the conversations you have with patrons that come to your bakery it may well be you know the people i see at university it may well it could be anything but the point is we're, we're carrying the love and heart of christ we're not we're not carrying i'm black now i must tell you about being black um this, yeah that's the problem you're not black first mm-hmm. you're spirit first so i think yeah. i think i think though i think there probably is a place as christian christians to say how your heart for christ does impact how you see things but like it needs it needs to start with okay here's christ and so here's how i view racism or racial injustice or things of that nature rather than going, well, I'm black and I felt oppression in this place where I live. And so now here's how I've taken Christ to fit how I see that already, rather than allowing yourself to be changed. Um, yeah. It's interesting because it always brings up, for me, it always brings up the notion of if if I wanted someone to describe me, and I, th- I, think, I think if you're an ethnic minority in a place, you often grow up with the notion of I just wish people would just like ignore my race and treat me like anyone else and like in some ways I kind of go okay well that's as much about but I, I think there's a, there's a need to go well you know if someone asked me about my culture and you know whatever and I'm like well I'm proud of it I should be able to talk about it yeah and you know not feel I don't worried or ashamed that it might be weird or like I remember I was listening to another podcast I mean I've not even figured out if this podcast is going to have show notes but assuming it mm. will <laughs> I will put them in there but it was the I think it's called the Black Berea podcast and it's a group of um Christian Brits um yeah, Christian Black Brits I think based down in London They've definitely got London accents and uh, they were it was, the whole thing was about like um Beyonce and the Formation music video and all the sorts of things that were oh, coming no. off that and it was also the Black is King um, film that she did. Basically it was, a, it was a riff on all the things that was going on under the hood there but there was something mm-hmm. um, really interesting about the way they tackled that subject as Christians first and they, you know they were happy to go like you know from a cultural heritage point of view you know I thought you know some of that was great loved it but I'm also like okay we have to remember though she's not Christian and that's not the theme of what she's getting at and there are issues um but I like Beyonce but there are issues um and so it was really interesting they were just straight up taking it it's like okay good I am a Christian and now this is and because I am a Christian this is how I see something like this yeah um you know, bringing that up from scripture, bringing that up and how Christ has spoken to them and the experiences they've had thus far. And I also think there's just, there needs to be something about actually engaging with the cultures that are around. I think when 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 we were talking about, you know, the concept of educating yourself and the way that you said, like, for um, immigrants that come here, and you know, after three years not having any white friends, I also then think of, and I say in the reverse, when um, I've had white friends that kind of like, you know, yeah, I've got my black friend and I'm kind of like, okay, let's, when people say that, my first thought is, okay, are they, are they your black friend or are they your black acquaintance that you see around or you whatever? Because there, there's a difference, like in the same way that, you know, obviously I get that there is, there is the point that, you know, I'm not going to say, well, I've got white friends. Like I just say I have friends and they so happen to be yeah. white or black or other. Um, but I think I think the key point sometimes is people actually need as you say they need to integrate. These people need to be actually your friends, 
Please be yeah. people you know. Like, there's no point saying, I have a black friend. If I say, oh, what's his name? You say, oh, yeah, I only know his first name. Um, and I say, oh, well, how did you meet him? It's like, uh, well, he, like, works in the cafe or she works in the cafe that I go to and we chit-chat every now and then. I'm like, mm. I wouldn't, I would not, I would hikey say that's not your friend. That is your, that is your acquaintance. Yeah, that, no mature person would say that, I don't think. <laughs> that you're civil, but I've, I've seen it. And sometimes I just kind of go, okay, like, I, a that I don't really think you know having a black friend absolves you or anyone else of any you know possible types of um, racist attitudes you may show, but also like are are these people your friends or are they people you know because there's a difference and it's that is that, is that sort of being close friends with each other it's that integration of saying oh I've actually heard about their lives and their culture and the things that you know their their faith backgrounds mm-hmm. the things that actually you know build up who they are as people as your friend like it's it's all fine and well for me to say well you know I have this friend over here um you know black friend I'm like okay cool um that's nice um but you know what what is that friendship showing you when it comes to this situation it can be you can have all the black friends in the world and then still know very little about (laughs) why people are talking about racial relations to this day and age like it's mm. it's not about the having of friends. It's about what you talk about with those friends. It's what what you learn from those friends, um, you know, and being willing to listen, being willing to say, "Oh, I thought it was like this, and I was wrong." Great, cool. That's you know, add it to the bank. You know, add it to the other list of things that you thought you understood, and now that someone's told you their side of it, I'm like, okay, cool. There's something else to consider. As I said, all of this goes back to the fact there's so much more nuance, and I think people are sometimes willing to give this conversation as you know large and as wide as it actually is um but yeah definitely taking taking the heart of christ to everything we do i think has to be key here absolutely anyway this has been a lovely lovely chat um i'm aware of time but if anyone wants to come find you just let them know what's the uh location of the bakery and everything again if anyone wants to come and say hello because you love the cakes Yep, she's whoa. <laughs> don't hashtag BLM me, please don't or BOB <laughs> black on business. Don't come I know for me. everyone's trying to be cute. Do you know what? I actually had a customer. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna name names. It was I'm joking. But um she had, it was uh Juneteenth. Oh yes. If I'm honest, I didn't know what Juneteenth was till this. It's a very year. American thing. I, yeah, I because just... I'm Nigerian. I'm not African American, <laughs> but I guess we're all black, we're all the same, right? No, I'm joking. So this cu- sweet customer, I'm sure she meant well um bought a cake fine whatever had it delivered no problem then later on posted on social media saying that you know it was my birthday and it happened to follow this on this Juneteenth so for my birthday I ordered a cake from a black-owned business I nearly passed out (laughs) oh dear so yeah so yeah like thank you for reiterating that please don't be be me I feel the love if you guys just come and love the cake if you don't like the cake and you don't come back, I respect your choice to not come back. <laughs> because if you, you love have it, you keep... one. <laughs> yes, you have one. So I respect that, guys. So if you want to come find me, Sakara Bakery, 537 Duke Street in Deniston, Glasgow. Love and you. I'm also on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. So yeah, that that incident, I nearly cried out of frustration. Mm-hmm. I felt so perilous. I was so annoyed. But it's not I was annoyed at her. I just understood that she, was, that she became a slave to a narrative. Yep. That she felt that this was a way to fix it. And I just thought, oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> so I love all my customers. I don't care what race you are. Yes. And please don't <laughs> care what race I am. That's <laughs> good to know. Like the last thing, just before we close, and it's my, I supposedly, I hope, funny section at the end. But what's one, what's one story of, of absolutely anything? This is a very weird topic. But what's one story? Because this is what this podcast is about. What's one story that you wish you knew before now? So... This, for example, could be how I wish that we, you know, I wish we'd heard the story of how to eradicate demographic-based injustice in British society. Obviously not funny, that's serious, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Or or I wish that I'd heard the story of how pineapple had made its way onto pizza, which I did actually learn that story. That's pretty interesting. It was a, you know, Greek boy in a a pizzeria, an Italian pizzeria in New York. And I was like, all right, that's that's news to me. But have, have you got a story that you wish you knew? or would like to know in future? Man, I mean, that's a, that's a serious question. And it's not, it's just anything. 
Well, you can you can make it about something you wish you'd a story about something you come across in baking or running a business or yeah, what anything you want. I wish I knew. Oh my gosh, there's so many things I wish I knew. <laughs> but um oh okay, do you know what all the things I wish I knew? Mm-hmm. Like I know that nobody knows because the business pretty much most of the business has been during Corona. <laughs> so there's no predictability. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wish I knew how to be more efficient and create better systems. I know that's so boring, but yeah, it's part it's of the world. So boring, but look, or I wish I knew how <laughs> to mind read. Weird. Isn't it stroking my beard? I wish I knew how to mind read during interviews so I picked the best staff. Mm. Oh, because staff are everything. So that's something that I wish I knew. And I just wish I knew what the best way is to be a good leader and yeah, okay. how to lead your team in your shop. But that's not funny at all. Uh-huh. I mean, it doesn't have to be funny. I mean, the joy of it all is when you think about it, the, the, the beauty of that is that's that's a progression-based one. And you always, you know, who knows? And yeah. two years, five years, you might be the person that gets to tell that story and you'll get, you know, you'll get to say, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you get to tell to, you get to tell to some, you know, friend who's like, I'm going to start a business. I'm like, okay, here's what I know about staff. Staff is yeah. everything. Like you, you may have that story. This is, this is why I wanted this podcast. It's like, let's start telling stories um, about all the things that people are talking about, hearing about w- without really knowing how that actually looks to someone who mm. experiences that or is not like themselves. And this is what we're talking about integration. For me, like all the best forms of integration come when people meet and talk and then when they're willing to listen. Like if, if, if you come yeah. trying to win, you know, it becomes a lose-lose pretty quickly and no one's happy. But if you come just mm-hmm. saying, look, I didn't know this and you might know something about it. I just want to ask, and I, I can see what you mean now about the sort of trying to default away from defensiveness when someone says, where are you from? Because I, I, I get that question and I'm like, are they asking the question I think they're asking? I guess. Do you feel like that? Why? Well, like only, only, only because like, it's not that it's, it's weird. I think, I think I'm quite a stickler for word choice though. So I actually don't think it's, I don't think it's the sentiment of the question. I just wish people would ask the question they actually want answered. So if people, if people want to know where I am from, other than that being quite vague. So if they want to know where I was born, I'd be like, Bill's Hill. And if they say, where did you want, where did you grow up? I'd say, Hamilton. I'd say, where's your family culture from or your heritage from? Then I explain that. I actually don't have a problem with any of the answers I'd give. It's more yeah. the the double entendre almost, or the hidden second question of someone going, where are you from? Like, see, watching the cogs spin in their heads as you say something like Bell's Hill or Hamilton or Glasgow, and they're like, oh, oh. Uh, that, I say, that's not the answer. It's not the answer I thought I'd get. It's probably not that's the question I was asking. So if they ask, if they ask linguistically, if they, if they ask the right question, I'm more than happy. Yeah. The answer is no, neither here or there, but it's when people ask it and then seem a bit strange that you've given them the answer you've given them, even though <laughs> they've asked you that's the truth. You know, like, Do you know why they seem strange though? It's because they want, they don't know how to ask because they've been told because yeah, they, they've been the, told that they're racist. Mm-hmm. So if they ask you that, and then you're like, ah, then they're like, oh my gosh, if I ask anything else, I'm racist. Or they're gonna feel I'm attacking <laughs> That's me. when. So they're like this, okay. And then you're like, hmm, they had the hidden motive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, none of the questions ask, have been answered. Do you know what? I was talking to a customer, a, a girl actually in my shop about this just at the weekend. Mm. We're talking literally about the where are you from questions. She's Nigerian and she's Irish at the same time. Ooh. Okay. And I said, I know that the question is, the PC question is, what's your heritage? Yeah. Right? Because that's cute. But the average, say, working class person does not overthink this. Yes. They just say, so, where are you from? I'm like. Yeah. So they don't overthink this. So they're just thinking, how come you're black? <laughs> right? Yeah. But that's racist too. And I mm-hmm. said to, I was, we were talking and I said, if you were in Nigeria and you met a white girl there, you said, where are you from? She went, Potakot. <laughs> You'd be like, no, nah, but you're white. Let's be honest. <laughs> so it's a place, and it's a place in Nigeria, Port Harcourt. But then it's like... Yeah, but that's where she grew up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's, she's telling you the truth. I'm like, I I hear you say it, but I'm like, you but, know, you... But I don't... Your family, they would be pee, they would shell, you know, the oil. Thank like, you. Down? <laughs> so 
does that make us bad for asking them and really wanting to know what are you doing here in Lagos? That would be that's, what you're really th mean. That's the question you're asking. Yeah, yeah. So I think that I think I was just you know I know that you even asked that question, but I would actually say to all ethnic minorities, all the things that trigger you, think if if you were to ask it, would you feel like that person should be triggered too? Mm -hmm. And if you don't, it's an honest question. Then give them some grace and mercy. And if you do, then well done. You're perfect and amazing. And everybody should be at your perfect standard. It's true. I've noticed the problem is most things, if you flip it, it's not a problem for ethnic minorities to do. It's only a problem for white people because slavery existed. So if you're still living there in a place that you never actually grew up in during the slave times, then ask God for healing yet again and forgiveness. That's what we're doing every day. Every day. Exactly. So what you do. let's do the race. <laughs> let's do the work, guys. Let's do the work. You cannot help other people. I mean, you can, but they'll do what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. You do what you need to do. So, yeah, where are you from? Nobody. Everyone, please untrigger yourselves from that question. <laughs> Perfect. Well, this has been Lewa Thomas. Thank you so much for this conversation. And to all my lovely listeners, I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Goodbye. Right. Bye. Thank you. All right, so that has been Lewa Thomas in conversation with your host, Nathan Efimalu, here on the podcast. I hope you have unearthed a little more of life and the people within it today. Please feel free to reach out with your thoughts on our Facebook page at Unearthed Podcast and share your thoughts there. And if you have a story or background you'd like to share, feel free to drop us a message also. As we part, I will leave you with a sense in this verse of encouragement going forward. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John 13, 34 to 35. Thanks everyone, till next time.